you were here, and uh, we're continuing in a series of messages we started uh, a few weeks ago called Running in Circles, and it's about relationships. Uh, in February, we think it's an appropriate time to talk about relationships, to talk about marriage, to talk about families, to talk about parenting, to talk about just friendship, um, and today we're going to continue in that series, and uh, we're going to go to two places this morning. We're going to go to John chapter 17. And then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So if you want to go ahead and start kind of turning in your Bible to, to get to those uh, two chapters, that's where we're headed today. Now before I get there, uh, on uh, early in the morning on May the 20th of 1927, a guy by the name of Charles Lindbergh uh, got ready to take flight in an airplane dubbed the Spirit of St. Louis. Anybody ever heard this story, right? You know where I'm going. And uh, Charles Lindbergh made a very historic flight uh, from Long Island, New York, all the way to Paris, France. And he was the first to fly solo, uh, making this transatlantic flight flying solo. He flew 33 and a half hours and just the, I began to look at that. I began to look at uh, just read the journey that he went on. And he didn't sleep the night before. If you can imagine just just the adrenaline. If you've ever had a big day coming up, anybody ever had trouble sleeping? But can you imagine that he really needed to sleep? And uh, if he was going to make this 33-hour trip, uh, and he's the only one who can who can fly the plane. Uh, and he didn't sleep well that night. He tried to sleep. He couldn't sleep. And so he was awake just about all night. And so he left early that morning and flew 33 and a half hours to Paris, France. Uh, and just he, he fought for fatigue uh, and, and just drowsiness. At some points, he said he thinks he, thinks he blacked out, <laughs> you know, for like seconds or maybe even minutes at a time. Uh, and, and, but he, he made it. Uh, and not just that, not just fighting fatigue, but, but also he said he would climb. Uh, there was a, this uh, thundercloud that he tried to climb and, and to get over and uh, he began to notice ice forming on the wings, and so he had to try a different, go a different route and go off, his, off course, and so there was a lot of things that he had to figure out. There was a lot of things he had to navigate on this journey that he was taking on this solo flight, and the reason I talk to you about him today is because many of you are taking a solo flight yourself. We've been talking about relationships Next week, we're going to talk about marriage. Today, I want to talk to the people who are flying solo, right? Any solo flyers? Okay, yeah. Actually, uh, you think about it, our church is probably, if there are 300 people here on a Sunday, about half of the people that come to this church fall into that solo category. Uh, now, you say, wow, wow that, that seems a lot more than what I, I realized, but you got to think we have students and we have kids, right? They fall into that category, too. Uh, but it's good that we have this conversation and we need to talk about this because we do need to talk about what it takes to navigate the life of a single person. What does that look like? What does God say about that? What does, what does God want uh, when we start looking at the single life? And um, today I want us to just start here in John chapter 17. Now before we get there, uh, I want to make this statement. It takes two circles to spell solo. Okay, right? I mean, if you're good with, with English, right, and grammar, uh, well, I'm not good with grammar, but, you know, I can spell if I have spell check. It does take two circles to spell solo. 
And what does that mean? What are you trying, what are you getting at, Pastor Ryan? Well, I want to get at what John chapter 17 talks about. John chapter 17 is a prayer that Jesus is praying, and this is before he goes to the cross, and um, it really reveals his heart. And so he says some things I think we can find in John chapter 17, beginning in verse 20. And I'm going to read it off the screen because I have a, a different version. I'm going to read um, the, the first Corinthians passage. But this is out of the ESV. And this is, says in, in uh, uh, chapter 17, verse 20, it says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. So basically he's been praying for his disciples, and now he's praying for everyone who would become after his disciples. Right, he's coming. He's praying for basically all of us. He says that they may all be what one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also be in us, and so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse twenty-two, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be what one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. And so what is God saying here? God is saying, uh, or Jesus is praying here, uh, something very specific. He's praying for oneness. He is praying for this idea of relationship that we would have with him. And so what is God's plan for single people? What is God's plan for single people? God's plan for singles is oneness, not aloneness. God's plan for single people is oneness and not aloneness. He doesn't intend for you to be alone. Actually, he wants for you to, to feel what that is to have oneness with him. And this is what Jesus prayed for, for us. Jesus prayed, I want you to know what that means to be one, that, you, that just as I am one with my Father, that you would be one with us. And so Jesus wants you to understand what it means, this idea of oneness now i want to show you a quick diagram that that we have basically this first picture is you and god right there's you in your circle and there's god in his circle and and to for us to have oneness you have to bring these circles together and at some point those circles have to look more like this right here right there there's your oneness that these circles as they become come together as we allow god to do what he wants to do in our life as we accept his invitation to go deeper in him and to know him more and to reflect Jesus more, the, these, these come together. And it's, it's a beautiful overlap. And what we find that when this overlap happens, we can understand what oneness is. We begin to participate in this oneness of Jesus that he says, come and be in me and let me be in you. Let me abide in you. Abide in me. And there's all kinds of places where the Apostle Paul talks about this whole phrase, in him, in him, Jesus, in, in Jesus, in him, and him in us. And this idea that as we come together, there's this beautiful overlap. And this is what Jesus invites us to, a relationship of oneness, not aloneness. He doesn't want you to feel like you're out there on, on your own. He wants you to know that there is an, an invitation to a relationship to run in his circle. That's what we're talking about, running in circles. And what circles do you run in? This is a, an invitation to run in God's circle. See, God is inviting you into a season to deepen your walk. That's what you've got to look at this season for. If you're single, this is a season for you to deepen your walk in Christ. 
Now, you may say, listen, I, I, I may be single, and you may be single again. There is a difference, right? We have singles, and then we have those who are single again. Some of you have, have come through that season of marriage, and, and, and maybe that's changed for you for, because you've lost a spouse or, or maybe you went through a divorce. And, and so there's a lot of things that can happen, and, and, and maybe now you're in this season where you're single again. And, and so whatever that looks like, whichever side of this you're on, it's an invitation that God is making to you say, listen, use this time. Use this time right now to deepen your walk in me. Use this time to come closer, to move closer. See, see, the season of singleness is a gift. How many of you believe that? The season of singleness is a gift. The season, this season is an opportunity to also prepare yourself if you're going to move into a season of being a couple, you know, if you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm moving toward marriage, if that's where you're, you're, you're moving to, this, is a se- this season is a gift for you, and this season is also a time of preparation. Now, some of you say, listen, I, I've been there. I'm not going back there. I, I believe that, you know, uh, that, that I'm, I'm going to be in this season of singleness now probably uh, till I die. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, because what we find is that marriage is honored and also singleness is honored, that he invites every one of us to a relationship of oneness he invites all of us to a relationship of oneness and he wants you to understand if you're in this season of singleness whether this is going to be a lasting season or whether it's a time where you said hey i'm moving toward uh, a different season in my life where i'm going to be married this is a gift singleness is a gift and this season is an opportunity to prepare yourself to move to a season of being a couple see it's not enough to just to search for the one, you have to prepare yourself to be the one, right? How many of you remember looking for the one, right? I remember that in college. I remember I was looking for the one. I got all the way to my senior year, and I thought, God, I really thought I'd have found the one by now. And um, then I met Raina uh, my last semester at school, and I, and I thought, man, God, you've really messed things up for me. I should have been a lot farther along in this because sometimes don't we put undue expectations on ourselves? Sometimes we put these expectations on ourselves. Sometimes our family's well-meaning put these expectations on us. And so we, we have all this expectation piled on that, well, at this point, you should be here. At this point, it's like, why? Why, why, why should I be this? Because we have undue expectation. And sometimes that's, that's put on us by ourselves. Sometimes other people put that on us. And I felt that. I felt that pressure that as I was ending school, I should have been farther along. God, I felt like you have just messed things up for me. You did not bring the person along. And now I've met this girl, and I'm getting ready to graduate. God, thanks for just making this late in my life, right? And, and for me, I felt that pressure to push things faster than, than what they, they should go. And Praise God, Raina said, no, we ain't pushing that any faster. <laughs> you know, I wanted to get married. She says, no, I'm not ready. She said, and basically she was saying, you're not ready. And, and what we had to understand was this, and what I had to understand was this, that has to be a season of preparation. If you're single, this is a season of preparation, especially if you're looking to go to another season of being married, especially if you're looking to be a couple at some point, that this is a time for you to say, I don't need to just be searching for the one. I need to figure out how to become the one. You know, it's, it's not enough just to find Mr. and Mrs. Wright. How do you become Mr. Wright? What does that look like to be Mrs. Wright? 
What does that look like to have integrity? That looks like this, that you make God your priority. That, that as you look into the Father and you look into the plan of Jesus and you look into to what that, is, that holds for you, that holds a completeness for you. See, Hollywood has lied to us when they, you know, the movie Jerry Maguire came out, and the whole line, remember the line in Jerry Maguire? You complete me, right? Hollywood sold us that thing that we needed someone else to complete us, that we needed another person to complete us. That's not what Scripture tells us. Actually, Scripture invites us to say, listen, if whether you're a couple or you're single, you know what? You can have complete joy in that, in, in, in that season. You can have completeness in that season because there's a oneness that God invites you into, and it's a relationship with him that actually completes you, not another person. Actually, that's a lot of pressure to put on another person to complete you. Come on, somebody. If you're looking at somebody and saying, I'm only half a person, I need you to be my other half, you know what I'm saying? You two need to be two whole people, right? You need to be a whole person, and you need to be a whole person to come together. And so this is what that's, this, this time is. This is what the season of singleness is, is to become a complete whole person, is that you're preparing yourself to be the one, not just to find the one. And so just because you can make a promise doesn't mean you're prepared to keep that promise. Just because you can stand in front of a pastor and in front of a church and in front of a congregation and make a vow does not mean that you're prepared to keep that vow. And some of you know that. Some of you have found that out the hard way, that you've seen this. You've seen this in your families, that people were not prepared to keep the vows that they said. And they said there should have been more preparation there. Singleness is a time for preparation. Singleness is a gift. Not just because you can make a promise, it's because you got to be prepared to keep that promise. This is a season to grow and to become. It's a chance for you to grow and to become. And don't move past that. It always reminds me of the movie Click. I don't know if any of you guys remember the movie Click with Adam Sandler. And he just kept trying to fast forward through parts of the life that he didn't like, you know. But, but what he realizes, he missed out on a lot when you do that. You can't fast forward through this season because this season is a gift for you. God sees that you need it. God sees this is important for you. Whether you're going to get married or not, he wants you to see that this is a season that is a gift for you. And it is an invitation for you to come closer to him. It is an invitation for you to come closer in your walk with Christ. So I want us to go and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to read this out of the NLT this morning. Because I love how this, I, I want to make sure this is, this is kind of plain and clear. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. So Paul, and, and you're going to see this, Paul is, uh, he's, he's asked questions by the Corinthians, Corinthian church. They have their own questions about what this new life in Christ looks like. You've got to think, this is a bunch of pagan people who've lived in the city of Corinth, who is highly sexualized, a highly sexualized city of Corinth, and they have all these temples with these pagan prostitutes, and they have this very different way of life than what Paul is trying to get them to live. And so they have questions about, hey, what does this look like? How does, how does this life in Christ compare to this life that, that we see around us in the city of Corinth? And so I want us to go to chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, 
Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. This is, he's talking about, there's a, there was a question about when is it appropriate to, to uh, have sexual relations, when it is not appropriate to have sexual relations. And he goes in to talking about both married and unmarried um, uh, observations here. And so verse 2, he says, But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. And the wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Right? Some of y'all are uncomfortable right now. It's just the Bible, folks. It's just Scripture. Take a deep breath. This is good. <laughs> Some of y'all should be like, amen, pastor. Read that again. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together. And again, so that uh, Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. But I wish that everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust. And I want to stop right there because it's, it's interesting. We, we, think about, we think about the Apostle Paul. We think about him writing... Um, this letter to the Corinthian church and giving them uh, he's giving them instructions on marriage and he's giving instructions to single people and some people say well how can Paul who is a single man give instructions to married people there is some uh, there's some question about at one time was Paul married you know now that is a theory uh, just simply because if he was part of certain sects of Jewish society that uh, there is a thrust for him to be married but at this moment in time, he is not married. And he's saying, listen, if, if you're not married, stay as I am. Because this season is a gift. And so I think Paul has insight on both sides of the coin. He has insight here. And so what is his insight? And I think this is what we can pull from what Paul is saying. Paul is talking about relationships and he is talking about sex. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying this. He says, if you're single, don't act like you're married. And if you're married, don't act like you're single if you're single don't act like you're married and if you're married don't act like you're single single people don't play house if you're not married don't act like it this is a time this is a time for for preparation this is a time to figure out are we ready to move in together are we ready for for this kind of relationship and I, and I know this is uncomfortable because it's become a norm in our society that this just happens all the time, and, and people don't bat an eye about it. And it's like, oh, Pastor, why, why are you talking about this? This is uncomfortable. Because we have made things that weren't normal, now we've made them the norm. And we think, you know what, this is the best way. This is, this is good. We should really try it's like It's like driving a car. You, you test drive the car before you buy it. Well, you're not buying a car. You're getting married. You're not buying a car. You're in a relationship with another person. And, and so, 
you have to look at, at, at even what the studies show. Studies show, and this is, this is not from, from any kind of Christian research. Studies show in 2018, Michael Rosenfeld and Katrina uh, Rossler published a study on the effects of cohabitation in our society. The study finds this. The study finds that there is an increased risk of divorce of those who live together before marriage. And the study also finds that even if those, even if they don't divorce, there's an increased chance of marital struggles and unhappiness in the marriage. And so even, even science and research is saying it's probably not a great idea to do this. This is not a great idea because it's not giving you what you think you're going to get. And so I want to go back to the original plan. And I, I, I'm going to go back to what we talked about in January when we talked about the series First Things First. And if you missed that series, go back and l- listen to it and watch it online. First Things First talks about you have to make sure that you find the original pattern and let's follow that pattern. And so to do that, it's, it's basically, uh, it's, it's Paul is saying, he said, listen, you've got to prepare yourself. Use this time of being single to prepare yourself. If you're heading to marriage, use this time as a chance to prepare yourself to be a married person. Use this as a time to prepare yourself to be a whole person, a complete person. Use this as a chance to come in as a a chance to deal with your baggage, as a chance to deal with your your issues, to deal with your stuff. Now, when we stand before a pastor and and I say say vows, and when, when me and Raina did this, we're saying, I'm accepting you for who you are. But you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to present the best person that I was to her on that day. I wanted to present the best that I could be at that moment in time to her. And I wanted, the, I wanted that from her as well. And I think that when we talk about marriage, that should be the focus, that this time of singleness is a chance for us to prepare ourselves if we're moving into that next stage. See, both marriage and singleness come with freedom, and responsibility both marriage and singleness come with freedom and limitations if you want to be single you don't have to answer to anyone where you want to go and when you want to go there right remember when you were single you want to go to crystal at midnight what did you do you went to crystal at midnight I remember getting in the car and driving 30 miles to uh, Krispy Kreme at 11.30 at night down in, in Chattanooga because that was the closest one. And I said, man, I'm going to, you know what, I want a donut right now. And so I did that. You know what I'm not doing now? I'm not getting up at 11.30 at night and, and driving into Savannah to go buy a Krispy Kreme donut because there are limitations that I want for me. I, I've, I place that, and my wife has placed that on me. So if you're single, you don't have really anyone to answer to. There are all kinds of freedoms for you. There are freedoms that that you can go where you want, when you want. Think about this. How many of you guys, you're going to eat lunch today? Where are you going to lunch today? Single people, you know where you're going to lunch? Anywhere you want to go. Married people, you know where you're going to lunch? Anywhere that your wife wants to go. That's where you're going to lunch. That is a difference. That's, it's, if, if you're single, there are freedoms. There are freedoms that you have. There's also limitations that you have. The season of singleness has a limitation when it comes to sex. 
God designed sex for a man and a woman in a marriage context. God designed sex for a man and a woman to experience that in the context of a marriage relationship. One man and one woman. And I know our society has all kinds of ideas about what that looks like. But once again, I'm going to go back to the creator and the inventor and the gifter of sex to us to get the idea of what sex should be today. And I know you may not agree. It's, it, that's, it's not the point today. I'm giving you the original plan. And the original plan says this, that sex is designed for those who come together in the relationship of marriage. And so... If you are single, sex is not for you, not yet. Until you get to that season where you say, hey, I'm giving myself to one in this relationship in the context of marriage. So there are limitations and there are freedoms in both marriage and singleness. The season of singleness has a limitation when it comes to sex. For those who are Christians and want to reflect Jesus, sex is reserved for marriage a marriage between one man and one woman. And don't fall to the pressure to skip into a season that God has not prepared you for just yet. Don't skip seasons. Don't say, well, I want to skip it to the next season. You're not there yet. This is a chance. This time is a gift in your life. You say, well, if, if I don't do this, he, he, he won't love me or he won't, he won't you know, do I love this quote right here. I don't know who, who gave this. I, I know somebody said it was C.S. Lewis. I couldn't find the, the origin of it, but I love it, so I'm going to share it with you anyways. A woman's heart should be so close to God that a man should have to chase him to find her. A woman's heart should be so close to God that a man should have to chase him to find her. And so for every one of us, God is inviting us to a relationship with him first. And he says there are seasons in your life, and these seasons are a gift. If you're in the season of marriage right now, guys, it is a gift. And me and Rain are going to talk about that next week. Yep, I'm, she's coming up on stage with me, and she's, she's not just my backup. She may just take the whole thing. Who knows? People like hearing her speak better than they like hearing me speak anyway. So, But, but next week we're going to talk to the married people. But the single people, it is a gift. Marriage is a gift. Singleness is a gift. When you see yourself in this season, make the most of that opportunity. Look at it as a chance to prepare yourself. The last thing I want to give you is this. God wants oneness with all of us. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. God wants oneness with all of us. Every one of us in here, we're invited to a relationship with the Father. And he wants a relationship with us because he wants all our other relationships to line up as